Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kiley. This is Before the Box Score. Merry Christmas. It's a National Signing Day or early National Signing Day for 2023. Merry Bowl Miss. We are in the middle of the bowl season. Missouri's bowl game will happen in two days. We are recording on Wednesday. The game will happen on Friday. And, of course, just in general, happy holidays in the middle of Hanukkah, Christmas around the corner, all that sort of stuff. So, a lot going on. Uh, BK, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, there were no real surprises, at least not on the negative side of things, mm-hmm. on National Signing Day, which is always a good thing for your Missouri Tigers, they ended up top 30 in the country last I checked when it came to their recruiting rankings over on Rivals, which is the one that I typically reference. Uh, all is good over here in uh, in the Kylie world. How are you doing, Nate Edwards? Perpetually sick, as always. Yeah, That's that sounds about my, right. That is my standard, my, my kind of the bar, the, the neutral bar that is set. So uh, once again, you get the lovely raspy tones of someone who's been coughing his brains out for the past week. We're going to make do. We're going to do just fine. I got my, got my lozenges, got my tea. Like I'm going to be unstoppable for 32 minutes and then it's going to die. So we got 32 minutes to talk about Missouri football before we get into the actual bowl game, before we get into national signing day, bowl game, all that sort of stuff. There was a little bit of a negative story, if you will, more of a, ah, oh, okay. Story. Toski Dove, the senior uh, receiver in the room the oldest guy in the receiving core, Uh, said that he is going to enter the transfer portal. He is going to play in the game against Wake Forest, so we will see him one more time. But once he suits up against the Demon Deacons, he will then hit the portal and go somewhere else. So 
Towski's been here since 2018, guys. I don't know if you remember that. He redshirted the 18 year. 2019, he saw action against Arkansas. Had two big catches for 48 yards. And has been kind of a staple at that Z receiver position. Uh, more of a, a run-blocking receiver than a noticeable pass-catching one. But over 147 targets, he had 86 catches for 1,164 yards and three touchdowns. And about 13.5 yards per catch. So... He will be gone. The receiving room will be quite a bit younger with him gone. Uh, but I think at this point, the writing was on the wall. Theo Weiss, the five-star from Oklahoma, is coming in. He does what Towski Dove does. Uh, so I hope Towski finds somewhere where he can ply his trade since he wants to continue playing, which is totally fine by me. Uh, BK, what was your favorite Towski Dove moment? Ah, oh, favorite Toski Dove moment. I would say LSU, right? Where he had the big yeah. game against them. Yep. Um, yep. I, I would say that's probably the best individual game that I can remember by him. Um, moment. He had a big one earlier this year. What am I? I all of it just against Louisiana Tech together. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yep. Against yep. Louisiana Tech. Yeah. He had that kind of diving catch towards the sideline. You're like, oh, wow, that was awesome. Um, yeah, that would that would be my favorite of this year for sure. Uh, Tennessee, he had a big game or a big catch against Tennessee, didn't he? Mm, yeah, I think I'm that's the one that, it, that that I'm thinking of. So um, he had some big ones. Toski Dove was a really solid player. He's the type of guy where um, it kind of reminds me of a few years ago. Mizzou basketball had a few players like this where it was like, hey, that guy should not be playing 30 minutes a night. But it's not his fault that he is. <laughs> you know, like Toski Dove, if he is your number one wide receiver you're probably not offensively where you want to be. But Toski Dove being a part of your wide receiver rotation is not a problem. And so I I think he was a really good player for Mizzou. Like you said, a very good run blocker, a guy they just flat out trusted to be on the field. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. is for a lot of coaches, just something they're looking for. So uh, uh, overall, very productive career in his time at Missouri. And like you said, I, I hope he goes on to whatever he does with his final year of eligibility. I think he's going to have some success wherever he goes, and he's going to find his way onto the field because he blocks well. He runs the right routes. He is where he is supposed to be. And none of this is to diminish anything in terms of his skills. Like that's just that's the stuff that coaches cannot trust from a lot of especially young wide receivers. And from the moment mm -hmm. really that he got on campus, he was a guy that this, this staff really trusted. Yeah, for sure. Toski is a native of Denton, Texas. He was alumni of uh, Ryan High School. So, you know, maybe North Texas, maybe SMU, maybe Houston. I don't know. Maybe he wants to get back into Texas. Maybe he goes somewhere else. I don't know. But, um, yeah, best of luck to him. Uh, five years at Mizzou. He is a very serviceable, true son, and hopefully he finds success elsewhere. So let's talk about the additions since it is early National Signing Day. But it's basically Signing Day. Before like, we do is that. Is there one in February? Like, I mean... Before we do that, can can we talk about one other guy that ended up leaving? Sure. I think it's yeah, worth discussing. I did not see this until just a second ago. Otherwise, I apologize. This is an audible real quick. Oh. Um, Tyler Macon has officially committed to Alcorn State. Did you see this? Oh, good for him. I think this is perfect for him. And I'm really happy for him, man. Um, because as we were looking over like through his Twitter feed and whatnot, it did surprise me. And I'm sure that a lot of Mizzou fans saw this as well he didn't really seem to be getting a lot of significant offers from elsewhere. 
Mm-hmm. And this is a former four-star recruit that ended up coming to an SEC school. And no, he didn't play much. He played like, what, two games really in his entire yeah. Mizzou career for any meaningful snaps. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, right, wrong, or indifferent, the coaching staff had him behind other guys on the depth chart. I think he was probably fourth on the depth chart this year. I'm really happy that he's going to a school where I think he's going to be able to have, find some success. So congratulations to to Macon on finding a good spot for him. And I would imagine, I mean, this is just a guess, but I would think he'll probably go in there and be the starter next year. So I hope he has success. I certainly there. hope so. Certainly hope so. You know, especially for guys like him, you don't transfer to, to sit, <laughs> transfer to play. And if that's the place where he's going to get playing time, I hope he gets it. Yeah, for sure. I, I personally, I, I love the Tyler Macon story. He started as a high three star, went to the elite 11, earned that four star local kid, East St. Louis. It was just, it was, gosh, there's so much promise there, but you know, if you, if you can't grasp the system or, you know, things don't translate to the college game that, that she saw in high school, sometimes that happens. And then keep in mind, he was part of that recruiting class that that really suffered from COVID. He did not play his senior year of high school. It just didn't exist. It happened in the spring and he was at, he was in Columbia during that time. So he basically didn't play for two years. And then, you know, here he was trying to, to make it onto the roster and, you know, evaluations were tough. Not playing is tough, makes it tough. And, and so if you are a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of tape, sometimes that does limit your options. I was concerned that he was going to hit the portal and, and not find a home um, just because he didn't have a lot out there. So I'm glad that he got one. And, and yeah, I hope he starts and I hope he tears it up. Um, so that'd be great for him. I wonder if his path ends up being similar to like that of Lindsey Scott. Scott. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. he ends up going elsewhere and finding a lot of success. And Mizzou fans are like, wait, <laughs> that, that guy was good. It's like, yeah, he, he's mm-hmm. talented, but to a certain level. And mm-hmm. he probably wouldn't have had that success at Mizzou. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, he's transferring down to a level where I, I think he's going to be able to find some success. So good for Tyler Macon. I'm rooting for him. My favorite Tyler Macon moment is probably the only Tyler Macon moment. And that's when he got the start against Georgia. Mm-hmm. And he was just running all over the field. And they were so annoyed that they had to play this kid. That was the that was last year, right? Yeah. Yep. Last year. Um and that Georgia defense was so good. One of the best we've ever seen. And they were just completely flummoxed for 30 minutes with this kid out of East St. Louis running all over him and they could not catch him. They were so annoyed by it. And that was, that was great. Now it didn't work out in the end. Obviously Georgia stomped Mizzou, but that was to me, that was like the quintessential and only, but quintessential Tyler making moment. So I hope he can do that to other opponents and make them look silly. All right. National signing day. You go into any signing day and you just keep your fingers crossed for no whammies, right? No one flips your dudes. The guys who verbally committed previously follow through on their commitments. And if there is a surprise, if you have to have a surprise, you want one where you go, oh, I didn't know that that kid was even in talks with Mizzou and now he's signed. Or, you know, oh my gosh, we flipped somebody. So by those parameters, This went about as good as you can possibly go. Every single one of Missouri's verbal commits sent in a fax saying they were committed to play at Missouri in 2023. Awesome. Also, they had, we had flipmas 
as Eli Drinkwitz likes to tweet out. They were able to flip a five, uh, three-star defensive end named Sam Williams, who was committed to who? Wake Forest. Flip him over to the good guys. So, of everything that happened, BK, and again, one surprise, a bunch of just predictable stuff. What is kind of your biggest takeaway from the this early National Signing Day of 2022? That the third guy that signed or the third guy that committed to Mizzou ended up signing with Mizzou, and that's Jabari Johnson. Um, the the mm-hmm. one thing that I was curious about, not just today, but really over the last couple of weeks is, okay, you lose your offensive coordinator. He's the guy that has the tie or quarterbacks coach, whatever you want to call him. He's the guy that has the tie with Washington. Jabari Johnson is from Washington. There was a quarterback at the University of Washington that flipped, and then Oregon potentially had an opening for a quarterback. Is he going to flip somewhere? He's a four-star recruit. He could have had options if he wanted them. Chose not to. He decided to sign with Missouri, and if you listen to anybody that has watched Jabari Johnson, they all love him. He was unbelievably productive this year up in Washington. I think he was named like their state player of the year or whatever it is up there. Um, mm-hmm. He's a he's a stud, and I don't know if he's going to play next year or if it's going to take a couple of seasons. Normally, freshmen stink, so my, my guess would be that he's probably not going to play next year, but that should be your future at the quarterback position, in my personal opinion. So him sticking with his commitment to Mizzou, that to me was the single biggest development today. What stuck out mm-hmm. for you? Seven kids from the state of Missouri committed to play for Missouri. That is good. That is good. And if you stretch it out to like Illinois, right? Western Illinois, you can throw Nick Deloach in there from Cahokia. Um, Yeah. I mean, when Eli Drinkwitz got the job, he said that there was a lot of talented football players in the state of Missouri and he was going to get them to come play for the state of Missouri. Now, do you want to get picky and do you want to say, oh, well, you know, the top five guys didn't go to Missouri. Sure. You can say that. You can say that, you know, Chan Davian Bradley ending up at Tennessee and Caden Green at Oklahoma and, you know, the two kids that committed to Notre Dame. Is that great? No. Okay. That's fine. But that happens. Like we've talked about that this. Happens, you get, though. You yes. get about 50% of the top guys in the state and you feel great about it. This year, I feel good about it. Did they end up yes. meeting expectations? I think they should. It would have been nice if they got one more of those high level kids. One more. Well, especially an offensive lineman. That would have made you feel great about it. Like Miles McVay sure. is not from Missouri. But if you were able to land him, that would have been awesome. You didn't, and that's okay. Like it, it. This was a quote-unquote down year for Missouri. I said earlier they were top thirty by recruiting rankings. As of this moment that we're recording, they're ranked thirty-first. If that's what a down year in recruiting looks like for Mizzou, that's a pretty damn good recruiting class. And here's mm-hmm. here are the guys that are a five point seven three-star or above. These are like a high three-star or a blue chip recruit. Here's where they come from. Missouri, 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 Texas, Texas, Arkansas, Washington. Mm -hmm. That sounds like your typical Missouri recruiting class. Like whether you were in the Big 12, now that you're in the SEC, Missouri's getting back to its roots. And so for that, I personally am appreciative. Yeah, they've got a couple of kids from Florida. They've got a South Carolina in there, Tennessee, a couple of Georgia kids. Like that stuff's still scattered throughout. But the heart of this recruiting class is recruiting the state, 
recruiting the other side of the river in Illinois, recruiting Texas, and getting a couple of national recruits from elsewhere. That's what it mm-hmm. should look like at Mizzou. Yeah. I I think, you know, I love Jabari Johnson. I'm very excited he's going to come. Of of the non-quarterbacks, man, Marvin Burks coming to Mizzou, I think Marvin Burks is going to be a stud. I don't know if there's room to, for him to see the field this upcoming year just because there's already really good safeties already on there. But, man, he's so good. I love watch. I watched his tape again, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I don't know where Logan Reichert's going to fit on the offensive line, but I'm damn glad he's going to be playing for Mizzou. Josh Manning, I think, is going to be a star, but he's always kind of been that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to make of Brett Norfleet, but four-star tight ends in your backyard? Yes, please. Sign me up. We need more tight ends. Like, I think, for me, Marvin Burks is the biggest one, and then Brayshawn Littlejohn. I cannot wait to see what that kid can do. Hmm. I, not only does he have a great name, but the way he plays, I, I, I don't want to set him up for failure, but I'll just say there were shades of previous Missouri linebackers that I saw when I watched his tape and I don't know where he's going to fit. I don't even know what the linebacking roster is going to be going forward, but you didn't get as many stars as we, as Drinkwitz has trained us to want to, to look for and ask for and get, but the types of players that we have, the skill set, the, the, the ceilings that we think they have, it's a very exciting class, even if the stars aren't there. And I think that's great. My single favorite player to watch in this class, and there is no close second, is Philip Roche. Mm-hmm. He is an athlete from Indiana. He is your prototype at the star position. Like when I watched him, I was like, oh, this is Dalen Carnell. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm literally, I know exactly what he does. I know exactly what he looks like in this defense. I know exactly where he lines up on a down to down basis. I know how they blitz with him. I know how they cover with him. Like, Everything is already set in stone. He's 6'1", 190 pounds. He flies like a bat out of hell. He is unbelievably physical. He seems to have incredible instincts of like beating the blocker to the point where he just... There are certain plays where he blows up the blocker and other plays where he beats the blocker to where they're supposed to be and just meets the ball carrier there. Um, He is for me, and he's not like one of the top recruits in this class. He's a a Mm three-star, but... If I could take two under-the-radar guys that I think by the time they're done at Mizzou, they will be fan favorites. It's Philip Roche, the star-slash-safety out of Indiana, three-star recruit, and Daniel Blood, a undersized kind of. He's probably he's listed at six foot. He's probably 5'11". He's listed at a buck 75. That seems about right to me. Um, and he's out of Louisiana. He just helped them win their state title this past weekend. Mm-hmm. In the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, he was the guy that they were going to. He is going to be a possession receiver that probably lines up out of the slot and he just replaces what you've had in recent years. Um, when it's third down, you need a guy to go to. This is your guy. And I would not be surprised if next year he's your punt returner because he's really, really, really mm. good at it. Yeah. So um, those are the two guys for me. Daniel Blood, Philip Roche. Those would be the guys that I'm excited about. Yeah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I also had kind of a little bit of drama, I think. Shamar McNeil had visited NC State last weekend. There was a little bit of questioning whether the Florida product would be coming to Missouri or not. But he he signed. He's here. So that's good. He's projected to play corner, but we'll see what where they end up uh, placing him. And then, of course, Jamal Roberts, the other kind of athletic dude, another Missouri kid, St. Mary's. Um, I'm very excited to see what he can do. I, I'm not sure. I don't think he's one of those kids who's going to get on the field and start, you know, day one. But I think there is a skill set that Eli Drinkwitz likes in his running backs, or maybe it's Curtis Looper who's doing it. Um and he seems to have that type of vision, that ability to run through contact, mm-hmm. even if you think you found the hole and it's closing. Um, but he's, I don't know, man, he's he's fast and he's built low. And that's that's what uh, a drink what's running back needs to be to, to find success. So I guess of all these guys, I don't really, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, which one are we going to see starting next year? Like that's that's crazy talk. But who do you think could have the, the fastest impact uh, on their respective position? Joshua uh, Manning. Oh. Joshua Manning, I think, would be yeah. the guy for me. Uh, I think he could come in next year and be Makai Miller, like a, wow. a bigger version of Makai Miller. So I, I think he not only should, but will play next year, dep- barring them getting somebody that um, comes in via the transfer portal that maybe overtakes him in that spot. But I, I would expect that he will play. He would be my number one on my like confidence meter. Mm-hmm. Number two would probably be Tristan Newsom, just because... I mean, you bring in a Juco player to play. You don't sign these guys to sit. He's only got probably, I would assume, two years left of eligibility. Mm-hmm. And so you you bring him in. You hope that he can play and you hope he can tr- contribute. Worst case scenario, he's a guy that I think will be a like core special teamer for them. So. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we also got the transfer of Austin Firestone from Northwestern. The, the dude didn't really play this year. I think he got... What did I say? 44 snaps over three games. Um, so he is he is a, a piece that you build around. This is what we've talked about in previous shows. You got the one free transfer. Like that's always going to be in your pocket. If you want to transfer after that, then you're going to have to sit out. And so there is an advantage of having someone transfer to your school. You can feel a little bit more confident that you can build around the kid. And Austin Firestone is a big defensive lineman. He is 6'5". He is 260. He was listed as a tackle coming out of high school. He played in. He played on the outside. He played on the inside. I don't know where he wants to line up. We have a ton of defensive tackles right now. So defensive end is pretty thin. That would be my guess of where he plays. But he is untested. He was a three-star coming out of high school. But if you play defense for Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern, you're probably a pretty good defender. And, you know, for a lot of these kind of kids who, who just don't see the field go that early and are interested in other places, this is a good depth piece at worst and maybe a feature piece going forward. What did you what do you think when you heard of Austin committing to Mizzou? Same thing you did. Um, this is a guy who had some big time offers coming out of high school 
And when you look at like Ian Matthews a year ago, like you met referenced, he didn't really see the field for Mizzou very often. And you still look at it and you're like, hey, it's an upside play. If it doesn't mm-hmm. work out, it's no different than if they had recruited the kid out of high school and it didn't work out. That happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the time you you expect to miss like everybody is very excited as they should be about every single kid that was in this year's recruiting class. Go back three years ago. <laughs> yeah. And see how many of those kids not only are good players for Mizzou now, but are like literally at Mizzou at this point. It's not as many as you would expect. So, and that's the 2020 class. Maybe it's better to do it for 21 because it was a higher rated. It's a closer apples to apples comparison. But even then, like Tyler Macon, guy that we just talked about, no longer here. That was one of your top level recruits. Travion Ford, one of your four-star recruits, no longer at Missouri. Dominic Lovett, it worked out. He's no longer at Missouri. Makai Miller, worked out. He's no longer at Missouri. Zachary Lovett, five seven three star no longer at Missouri. Jadarius Perkins, never saw the field <laughs> at nope. Missouri. Davion nope. Sistrunk, gone. Daniel Robledo, like it, Jamarian Gooch, never got to campus. Like these, there's just weird stuff that happens with recruiting. And whether it's injuries, whether it's, it just doesn't work system wise, it was too much for them, whatever the reason, recruiting is fickle like that. So when you bring in, the reason I mention all that is because when you take a chance on a player with the pedigree like this, it's worth it. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. And he might not play next year. He might not play the year after, but he doesn't have another free transfer in him. And you hope that he ends up playing by the end of his eligibility. It's worth it. It's, mm-hmm. it's an upside play. I like it. Yeah, me too. Especially for a position group that is hurting for people. So, you know, worse comes to worse. He eats up some snaps and that's, <clears throat> that is a skill unto itself. We should talk about the other two guys that they added recently. Cause I don't, we didn't talk about them last week, right? Jordan Harris or Brandon Solace? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So, yeah, like you said, Jordan Harris at the time was an unranked tight end out of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Uh, got a shiny three-star rating, 5.7 from Rivals. This morning, I didn't see anything for 247. Uh, and then Brandon Solis, who played for uh, Trenton Dilfer at Lipscomb Academy in Nashville. He's an offensive tackle by trade in high school. 6'7", 275. Um Really interesting pickups here because Jordan Harris has played football for five months. Uh, he was a basketball player previously. He is 6'7", 230. And Brandon Solis is a really good high school tackle, but projecting into college, you know, he could probably fit in a couple different places. I'll just just take both, take in whatever order you want. But what did you think of these two big pickups? So I wrote about, by the time that you're listening to this, it's already up. But Brandon Solis, I wrote about for Rock M this week uh, in a reset piece. He he has a really interesting story. He's played football for three years, played on the defensive side of the ball for one, and then moved over to offense. And their team won the state title each of the last two years with him as the starting right tackle. That's where he played the majority of his snaps. And he was pretty good there. But you can tell, like, this is a guy that just has not played a ton of football. And he played at a really, really high level in terms of, like, the competition that he's going up against. This is a guy that played for the best school in Tennessee, best program in Tennessee, one of the best high school football programs in the country. Trent Dilfer was their coach. Now their coach is Jason Witten. So they're attracting some of the top, like, former pro athletes that want to get into the coaching ranks. So this is a school that has money to throw around, and it's a school where he was able to excel. His actual play on the field, he's more athletic than he is refined. 
it's going to take some time. I would not expect to see him on the field anytime in the near future. He's listed by rivals at 6'7", 275. Maybe he weighs that. I'm a little skeptical. I would say he's probably a little lighter than that. It reminds me a lot, Nate, you remember these times, when Gary Pinkle would find these guys that are like mm, uh-huh. 6'5", 230, and they're either tight ends or defensive linemen. He's like, that's my next offensive tackle. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Justin Britt, basically. Exactly. And then three years down the road, they've put on 60 pounds, and you're mm-hmm. like, holy bleep, who is that mm-hmm. guy? Where did he come from? How was yeah. he not a four-star talent out of high school? So that's what that reminds me of. And then Jordan Harris is like your classic, this guy was a basketball player, he's 6'7", he bends pretty well, let's see if he can become a good football player. Like it, I, I watched his film on Huddle, I, I don't know how anybody can make anything of it. Like, is he athletic? Yeah. Does he have good hands? Yeah. Can he bend? I, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I have no idea what he's going to be in college, and I, I would guess the staff also feels the same way. Um, it feels kind of an, a, another upside play where they said, eh, we need numbers. We've got a scholarship. Let's see if this mm-hmm. can work out. Yeah. You don't see the Drinkwitz staff really take a gamble on projects all that much, or at least obvious ones, I guess I should say. So this is interesting. was one of the most recent ones. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like, I, I get an unranked tight end out of Arkansas who you <laughs> like as a defensive end. Like, that's a Gary Pinkle recruit that's not an Eli Drinkwitz recruit or certainly not from what we've seen for the three previous years so I like it I like the you know it's like getting a present like what's it gonna be I don't know we'll find out could it be a tight end could it be a defensive end is he gonna be a linebacker well probably not that but like I don't know it's just very interesting um so I'm I'm curious about that one that's an exciting one because you just don't know what you're gonna get because there's so many intangibles like yeah, he played basketball. That's like Charles Harris, yeah. right? How many times did we hear that story? He turned into a NFL defensive end, first round pick. So like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm good with I'm good with this sort of thing. I know the stars aren't there. I know it might not be as highly rated as we're used to. It's not twelfth. It's not twentieth. But it's also not fifty fourth. I can tell you that. Um, so if this is a down year in Missouri recruiting, so be it. A down year in Missouri recruiting is one, two, three, four, five, four stars, uh, four high-level three stars, and a bunch of uh, really interesting athletic projects that you can bring in and can and contribute in a couple of years. Yeah, man, I'm good with this being a down year. Um, so I uh, very exciting, and, and we'll see. You know, it's signing day is not done. There is one in February, and obviously there's going to be a ton of portal movement between now and whatever that is next year, March, something like that. So plenty of roster movement to happen, especially after the bowl game. But for now, it's a good day. It's a good signing day. And let's just leave it at that. Uh, Let's talk about the bowl game. Since that is going to happen. We haven't really talked about it all that much the past couple weeks. And I'm not going to tell you all what to think, but I'm not getting juiced for the Gasparilla Bowl, right? This is, I'm excited that the players get to play another game. They get to go to Tampa. They get the bowl swag, whatever's in there. I'm glad we get to see this team one more time, but ugh. I don't know. This matchup doesn't really do anything for me. BK, how do you feel about it? So I'm almost the opposite. Like, I, 
not in terms of getting excited for the Gasparilla Bowl. I love the matchup. I think it's a super cool, I, I think it reminds me a lot of the Arkansas game, where it's like, one team has a really great offense going up against another team that has a really great defense. One team sure. has a really terrible offense that's going up against the other team that has a really terrible defense. <laughs> so from yeah, a matchup yeah. perspective, that has the chance to become a lot of fireworks and a really fun game to watch. If this was a game that took place in like September and it was there, there were like real stakes between the two teams, I think everybody would be hyped to watch it. But because it's happening now and you've got some opt outs and you've got some guys that have already declared for the NFL and you've got some injuries and you've got just like college football bowl game stuff where you have mm -hmm. no idea who's going to want to play in this one and who just wanted to have a really good time down in Tampa, which, hey, more power to you. I get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I don't have any issues with it, but that's where it becomes a little less in terms of the excitement factor for this specific game. But I really like the matchup. It has a chance to be a fun one. You you nailed my point. Like if this game was happening December second, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's the good stuff. But it's happening December twenty third. Mm -hmm. Wake's going to be without a couple of defenders. They're going to be without their uh, one of their running backs. Missouri's going to be without three starters on defense. Dom love it. Tom Lovett's gone. Toski Dove is going to hit the portal afterwards. Like, ugh. season trends, season averages say this is a great matchup. Mm -hmm. What it actually ends up being, I have no idea. So that, I'm hesitant. I'm still going to watch it, obviously. And the potential for a really good game is there. So great job to the Gasparilla Bowl team. Like you got you got the right teams matched up. I mean, you couldn't have I done just, any better given what the yeah. given what the bowl is. Like. This isn't a New Year's Day game or anything like no. that. It's a lower level bowl between two teams that were okay this year at best. And they matched up two teams that have the potential to be a really fun game. I mean, you look back at this season, Wake Forest was decent. They were kind of like Mizzou, honestly. They had a lot of one score games. They were like the, the offensive version of Missouri. They went to double overtime against Clemson this year. Uh, they had a one possession game against North Carolina and Duke. They basically had two games where they didn't play particularly well. And that was pretty much it. They've got a stud quarterback that I would love to see in a Missouri uniform personally. And they've got a coach that I really like. So it's it's a fun matchup, man. I, I really do like it from that perspective. But like you said, this is bowl season in 2022. Like the reality is none of these bowls, unless they're the college football playoff or for some of them New Year's Day games, like they they just don't matter that much. And I know for a lot of people that are like probably 10 years older than me, like if you're 40 or older, you probably have a memory of bowl games where it really mattered to make and win a bowl. I hate to be the bear of bad news, but it just doesn't anymore. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't watch. It doesn't mean that they should get rid of these games. Nothing like that. These games are money makers. These games are a free trip for the kids. They get swag. Like it's one last chance for a lot of these guys to play football for the rest of their lives. The games are still fun. We just have to understand that they just don't mean that much anymore. And that's okay. Yeah. Wake Forks was six and one at one point. Yeah. Did you know that? And one of those games was a double overtime loss against uh, the, the only loss was a double overtime loss yeah. against Clemson. Six and one. Yeah. Hartman's a stud, man. At that point in time, there was talk about like, hey, is 
what is this guy? <laughs> what, what's going on here? Does, does Wake Forest have something going? And then, of course, you know, the rest of the season happened. So <clears throat> here's the thing. Wake Forest is a bad defense that's getting carried by an elite offense. So, yeah, styles make matchups. <clears throat> styles make fights. This could be a really good one. Missouri's offense isn't super great. We know that. They Somehow are better over- than Wake Forest defense, though. <laughs> they, they are overly reliant on explosive plays to get any kind of movement. And Wake Forest defense is so bad. They will let you do whatever you want. Uh, you've heard that about Florida's defense. You heard me say that about Arkansas's defense. And Wake Forest's defense is like 40 spots worse than both of those. So th- this is the worst defense that Missouri is going to face since Vanderbilt. Mm. Now, as a reminder... Missouri scored 17 against Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt was actually putting it together as the year went on and Wake Forest is not actually quite the opposite. So also Louisiana Tech's defense was really bad and Missouri put up uh, 52 on them. So just keep that in mind. Here's the thing. Missouri to succeed against Wake Forest, you need to do a couple things. Number one, you got to hit your explosive plays. And the good news is that Wake will let you do that on the air all the time. 91st in, in passing explosiveness for Wake Forest defense. But also 66 on the ground, so they'll give us some big plays there too. So you need to make sure you're getting those because they're actually pretty decent at balling up the run if you're trying to do the short stuff. The other thing is that they can be good in standard downs, right? But it's passing downs in their secondary, which is so bad that they really fall apart. Now, Missouri's been really actually pretty good at converting passing downs the past couple the past couple games, I should say. But that's mostly because Brady Cook is running around like a madman and converting, not so much that he's picking apart his secondary. So I don't know what any of that means, because as a reminder, Bush Hamden is not calling plays. Now it's not like Drinkwitz wasn't on the headset the entire time, so he knows what was being called and he knows what the changes were, but you're gonna need Brady to deliver in passing down situations. You're gonna need Luther and Cody and everybody to break some some big ones. And then, like you always do, you gotta to score touchdowns because Wake Forest is operating with an almost full offense and they are gonna to score touchdowns. So do you think that Missouri can do that, BK? Do you feel confident in that assessment? I, I don't because Dominic Lovett's not in there. And I think yeah. that's that's the biggest factor in this game that I think is just gonna I think it's going to leave a sour taste in a lot of Mizzou fans' mouths is your best player this year is not going to be with you for the bowl game. And you get why, right? Like, he's he's transferring. So, more power to him. He has that right to go somewhere else. I will be very curious to see what they do at wide receiver in this game. Who plays? Where do they play? And what do the targets look like in this game? What does Brady Cook look like in this game? I don't think this is some sort of referendum on him. I think we kind of know, based on what he did the last few weeks, what Brady Cook is and what he isn't. I saw earlier today, Eli Drinkwitz came out and he was like, hey, you know, I'm really excited for Brady Cook and Sam Horn to finish this thing out and then we'll figure out what we're doing at the quarterback position. Man, if anybody believes that, I've got some beachfront property to sell you in the state of Missouri. Like, he knows what he's doing at the quarterback position, and he's just not stating it publicly, which is his right to do. But he knows. Mm -hmm. He knows what he has at the quarterback spot right now. My guess, and this is purely a guess, he would love to improve from Brady Cook or Sam Horn. And he would Mm -hmm. love to go out there and 
for example, get a guy like Sam Hartman. He's very good. He's very talented. He averaged like 300 yards per game this season. Yeah, that sounds excellent. But it's hard to get those guys, man. Everybody wants a player like that. And to be able to go out there and acquire them, you A, have to come right with the money, and B, have to be able to offer them an immediate starting job, and C, they got to want to come play for you in your conference, at your school, given what your weapons are at that point in time. So it's tough, and when you look at this game, specifically how it's going to impact it, I just don't know how I can count on this wide receiver core with this quarterback to come up with drives consistently without having Dominic Lovett out there. It's just hard for me to believe. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. And Missouri's offense has a nasty habit of making bad defenses look good. At the same time, Wake defense or Wake Forest's defense and especially their secondary has made many receivers look like Dom Lovett throughout the year. So I don't know which one's going to happen. Who do you think takes his snaps? Dom? Yeah. You think it's Miller? I would say Miller, but God, Eli Drinkwitz has talked about Peanut Houston so much during the these past couple of weeks. It makes me feel like either that's some massive subterfuge or he's actually going to be involved. I, I mean, do you think it's going to be Miller? I hope so. I, I don't know that it will be. My, my hope is that, and I've talked about this for a while now, I think next year what the plan should be is to put Luther Burden into the slot. I think they made a mistake yeah. this year by not utilizing him more there. Not primarily, but more. Um, I think that's where he can win. And you use him on the stuff that you used with Lovett this year. And I think we'll see in the black and gold game uh, some of the same things that we saw with Lovett in the black and gold mm-hmm. game where that was the first time where we really were like, oh, okay, this is happening and it's happening yeah. now. All right, here we yeah. go. Uh, I think you'll see that with Burden this year. But my hope is that they utilize him in that spot because then he doesn't have to see press man as often. You're able to get him in space easier and you can use him in some of those like end around type of things. It, it's just mm-hmm. an easier spot to be able to all of that stuff that Luther Burden is good at already. Mm-hmm. What will they do? since they had four weeks between the end of the season and this to be able to get it done, and they've spent a lot of that time recruiting as opposed to specifically game planning for this game, my guess is they just put Mookie Cooper there and just say, Mookie, you're our guy. You're going to go play in the slot every down now. Yeah, I could see that. That would be my guess. Mookie had a pretty good game against Arkansas out of the slot. So, I don't know. There are worse things out there. I do agree Luther is going to be a better slot guy than a outside receiver but um yeah we'll see so on the flip side wake forest offense man if you like if you like funky football you're gonna like wake forest um i know parker's written about it i wrote about it a little bit wakes read option i I, you know okay podcasting and visuals obviously don't go well together but like so sam hartman takes the snap and Justice Ellis at the running back is going to run up next to him, just like your standard zone read. Okay, he's going to put the ball in his belly. They are then <clears throat> going to walk together, almost hand in hand, towards the line of scrimmage very, very slowly. And then, whenever the defensive end or the man they're reading bites, that's when either the ball goes to Justice or Sam yanks it out and throws it or runs with it. Okay, it is very slow developing. It seems like it shouldn't work. You know those like those um, Bill Snyder offenses where everything was so slow developing. Like how how do they move the ball like this? It just works. That's how this works. It's so slow. It's going to be so frustrating. But 
it forces defenses to show for an extended period of time what they are running. So when Sam yanks the ball out and throws it, he has a really good idea of what that defense is doing. Or there's a huge hole that Justice can run through and he he sees it. So it's very effective. Uh, Warren Ruggiero and Dave Clausen, who came up with this, are just mad scientist geniuses. Um, so Wake puts up, you know, 30 to 50 points on everybody, regardless of quality of defense. So it's going to be very annoying. However, <clears throat> even with the funky run fronts and how they do it, they're not very good at running the ball. They're actually a better passing team, or at least they have more success that way. So, and it's Ray Strauss coming back. Chris Abrams Drain's coming back. They're playing in this bowl game. They need to shut down those receivers. You need to make Wake Forest do the funky read option. Make them do the funk because they're not actually all that great at it. I would have felt 10,000 times better if Isaiah McGuire. I was about to say, man, it sounds like this is the spot where you need some defensive ends that are going to stay home. (laughs) You needed those guys so bad and they're not going to be here. Now, Trajan Jeffcoat, I think he's great. Uh, Tyrone Hopper, he's going to get some extended playing time. The Walker boys are going to see the field like very excited for that. They're going to have. A, a tryout by fire, but man, I would have felt a lot better with the, with our two starters in there. But regardless, if they can create some havoc, whoever's out there, wake gives up havoc plays and they don't really connect on big explosive plays, which are like, that's music to Blake Baker's mm-hmm. ears. Um, so it's, it's an effective offense, but it doesn't threaten Mizzou the way they're usually the, the way that they're weak. However, regardless of opponent, Offense is fine, explosive plays against this defense. So I don't know how it's going to work out, especially since they have most of their starters, but that is going to be the more entertaining matchup of the two. And I'm really excited to see what some of the backups and, and Missouri's defense can do against this offense. I wish they could have had at least one of DJ Coleman or Isaiah McGuire. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. if you got one of those guys, you feel pretty good about it, right? Because you got them plus Jeff code and you're like, okay, we can make this work. And then the backup snaps go to the walkers and you feel good along the interior. You still got hopper. Like, you're, you're all right. You're feeling pretty good about it. Not having either of those guys, having the walkers as basically getting starting snaps now. And that's no shot against the walkers, but just, I mean, Coleman and McGuire are really good football players. And both of them are very good against the run specifically. Um, mm. You, you would like to be able to have that because these guys are speed rushers where they're going to bend around the edge and come flying like a bat out of hell. And if you don't read it correctly, now that running back could potentially go right underneath you or the quarterback has a clear passing lane right underneath you. Um, and that that's where things could get a little dicey for them. Yeah. I do wonder if we see like a Kai Montgomery just because there's not very many defensive ends on the roster right now. I hope so. That'd be cool. I think that'd be very cool. Or, you know, maybe DJ Westlake like, sees some defensive end snaps. I don't know. He's kind of small, but I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, this is this is about the closest matchup of bowl season, if you believe Bill sees SP plus math. Um, it The line, I believe, is it's Wake one. Forest 1 mm-hmm. by 1. Yeah. So SP plus is actually seeing this as a rounded up. Uh, Wake Forest favored by zero points. It's actually 0.006. So it's, it's very, very close. And again, those are season trends that there's a lot of things that change. So I don't know. I feel like every time I I'm, I'm vocal or I like make it known that I choose Missouri, they fall on their face. Um, BK, how do you, how do you see this game going? 
I think I'll take Wake Forest just because of the opt-outs. Like, Mizzou not having the defensive ends and Mizzou not having uh, Dominic Lovett. I mean, you could make an argument those were, what, three of their 10 best players this year yeah. on the conservative side of things. And for those guys not to be there, I know Wake Forest has a couple of guys that aren't going to be playing in this as well. I think that's really significant. I think that the fact that they don't have Dom Lovick, Dom Lovett, excuse me, is going to prevent them from being able to keep up offensively with Wake Forest. I hope to be wrong, but I'll take Wake Forest like 31 to 24, something like that. And I think it's close. I think it's competitive. I think it's a really fun game for everybody to watch, uh, but I've got Wake Forest winning by about a touchdown. All right. I would say, yeah, for everyone's sake, I'm going to pick Wake Forest and I'll say they'll win 31 28. There you go. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be entertaining, or one side will be entertaining. Um, yeah, I mean, the, whether Missouri wins or loses, it's it's not a referendum on anything. You would like your team to finish with a winning record, obviously, and Missouri hasn't won a bowl game since 2014, and Eli Drinkwitz hasn't won a bowl game ever. So, like, it would be nice to, you know, to, to, to do that, but everything about this team has been building towards something bigger, and... A win here would be great, but it's a loss is not going to undo any of that progress, at least for me. I'm not going to speak for everybody else, but I just want a good game, man. That's all I really want. Just a good game, please. Yeah. Play a clean football game. Do not commit a bunch of turnovers or penalties. If you can do that, we're good. We're good. And if they do that, they've got a decent chance to win. <laughs> I mean, that As we've seen tends to year. lead to the other. Yeah. So anyway, we will uh, we will recap the game afterwards uh, because that's going to be December 23rd and we got stuff to do that weekend. So we will be back into your podcast feed relatively soon. Hopefully you use this one as a, a travel aid or maybe you can use the other one for that. I don't know. You do whatever you want. It's your it's your holiday weekend. Uh, but BK, do you have any parting shots for our listeners? I don't think so, man. It was a uh, it was a good national signing day for Mizzou. It's been a good transfer portal for Mizzou thus far. We'll see if we get any more announcements by the time that we do our next show, uh, whether that be after the game or next week when we record. Uh, I wish you guys all a very Merry Christmas. If you are uh, the Christmas celebrating type, if not, happy holidays. Enjoy yourself. Be safe out there. And we'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Here, here. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rock M Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.